0: I think 2020 will go down in the history books as one of the most challenging years in American history. From politics to pandemic to protest, this year has put tremendous pressure on everyone. I love what the president of Charleston Southern said about a month ago. I thought he summed up 2020 better than anyone. Here's what he said. He said, we began the year as if it was 1974 with an impeachment. We then morphed into 1918, finding ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic. Soon after, It was as if we were living in 1929 on the verge of extreme financial challenges. Soon after, and before we knew it, we were living in 1968, characterized by social unrest on a national scale. And on top of all of that, which, my goodness, that's more than enough, on top of all that we will witness In the next few months, one of the most toxic election seasons we have ever seen. So after saying all that, here's what he said. Yet despite all this, God is still sovereign. The world still needs Jesus. And the Spirit of God is on the move. It has been a challenging year. No one will argue that, but there is no question that people today, more than ever, need to hear about Jesus Christ. There has never been a more critical time for Christians to share the good news of salvation found only in Jesus Christ. And with all the hurts and the struggles and the problems that people are experiencing this year, We should be seeing record number of conversions of people coming to Christ. But that's not happening. I know there are many reasons, but I believe one of the main reasons, and I believe this has been a problem even before 2020. I believe that many believers have lost the passion to share Christ with their family, their friends, their neighbors, their classmates, their coworkers. See, I'm afraid that more and more church members are exchanging lives of evangelism and discipleship for comfortable religious lives. Sharing Christ must be a priority for all of us if we know Christ as Savior. We need to have conversations about the difference that Christ can make in someone's life. Begin by sharing the difference that Christ has made in your life. Well, today's passage is a very, very familiar passage. It's a passage of a religious man who has worked so hard, tried so hard to be what God wanted him to be in his eyes. But it's a conversation, it's a passage about a religious religious man, Nicodemus, having a conversation with Jesus Christ. Now, Nicodemus' resume is impressive. Bible says he's a Pharisee. That means he's one of the intellectual guardians of the law, making sure everyone obeys the law. He's also a member of the Sanhedrin. The esteemed ruling council for the Jews, kind of like our Supreme Court today. And he's one of Israel's most prominent teachers, whose words are often quoted by other people. He has spent his entire life trying to climb the religious ladder to get to God. Now, Nicodemus is at the top of the ladder looking down, but the view at the top of the religious ladder is disappointing. A lifetime of religion has left Nicodemus empty and unfulfilled. Billy Graham said, many people have just enough religion to make them immune to the real thing. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, there was something missing in nicodemus's life he spent his entire life trying to live a moral and religious life but the religion could not fill the emptiness something was missing in his life so nicodemus goes searching searching for truth and his search leads him to a nighttime meeting with Jesus Christ. And that kind of gets us to where we want to start today. Open your Bibles or your phone. Uh, I even have the, the passage there in your notes. We're going to look at John chapter 3 verses 1 through 15 and uh, pick it back up next week as we make our way through the book of John. So the first thing I want you to see in this passage is I want you to see the power of conversations. The power of conversations. Follow along as I read these first three verses in John chapter three. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop right there and talk a little bit about this, uh, this passage here as we look at the power of conversations. The first thing we, you notice is that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and there's always been a lot of discussion about that. And, well, The reason that he came at night, we really don't know. It could have been that he was fearful of being seen with Jesus during the day because he's this prominent religious man of Judaism. So he could have been just fearful of being seen with Jesus, maybe losing his prestige, his position, the respect of his peers, and that could be true. But I want to think differently. I think Nicodemus wanted to meet with Jesus, without the crowds, without the distractions, without the interruptions. I think he wanted to have an intimate, one-on-one conversation with Jesus. And to have that nighttime was the best time. So he comes to Jesus. And as we look at this verse, or these three verses, I want us to look at a couple things here. First of all, I want you to see the people of the conversation. And there are more than just Nicodemus and Jesus because it says we several times in this passage. So probably some disciples and maybe some other religious uh, men with him. But I want you to see the first uh, thing about Nicodemus. And now I want you to see the fact that he is religious and he's lost. Make sure you see that trait about Nicodemus. He is religious and he is lost. See, I think Nicodemus listen, church, represents many people today. We have churches filled with good, respectful people who attend church, but they are lost. Or they come to church, they, they give their offering, may have been baptized when they were younger, have tried to live a good life by doing more good than bad. They may even believe they will spend eternity in heaven. But the reality is, many people sitting in churches today are very religious but are spiritually lost. Chuck Swindoll said, frankly one of the most difficult individuals to lead to a knowledge of God through faith in Jesus Christ is a religious person. And I've had conversations with many who thought their religion was good enough. They thought they were good enough. And I think this attitude, this mindset still continues today. So there's this trait about Nicodemus and that is he's religious but lost. And I also want you to see the truth about Jesus here. And that truth is that he is available and he's approachable. As I read this passage, and I've read it many times, I'm, I think about how exhausted Jesus must have been from traveling, from ministering, from teaching to performing miracles. It talks about the signs in, verse, in chapter two. And I think the last way that Jesus would want to spend his day is having a nighttime conversation with a religious person. That probably was last on his list. After a hard day, probably just wanted to kind of chill out. And I think about myself when I read this passage. I think about how many times I did not have time for someone because of my schedule. Or it was after work hours. I think about the times I have avoided people because it was just not convenient for me at that time. Then I see Jesus. Jesus made time for people, regardless of the time of day or night. He is always accessible to you. He is always available to you. He is always approachable to you. He eagerly awaits to have a personal conversation with you, just like he did with Nicodemus. J.I. Packer said the son of God came to seek us where we are in order that he might bring us back to be with him where he is. So there are the people of the conversation and we're focusing just on Jesus and Nicodemus but also I want to talk a little bit about the purpose of the conversation. And when I read this and think about this I think there. are There are two agendas. There's the purpose that Nicodemus had, and I think it was to observe Jesus, the teacher. Because Nicodemus was a teacher. He spent his lifetime studying and teaching the word. I think the purpose of the conversation in his mind was to observe, to learn, to study this teacher, Jesus. I think Nicodemus may even wanted to have an academic conversation, a conversation about theology or doctrine. I'm not sure. But I think he was there to observe and to see Jesus. What Nicodemus failed to see, that Jesus was not a teacher of the word. Jesus was the word in flesh, standing right before him. David Jeremiah said that Nicodemus had a major flaw in his theology. To him, Jesus was a teacher from the God, from God, not God who had come down to earth to teach. You know, it's interesting when you look at this passage, you know, Nicodemus starts the conversation by addressing Jesus as rabbi, which was, you know, a title for teacher. He says, you're a teacher from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Kind of, kind of buttering them up. Starting this conversation. And Jesus' first words to Nicodemus is, you must be born again. I can't imagine the shock on Nicodemus' face. Jesus immediately changes the conversation that Nicodemus starts And I think there is a very, very important spiritual truth here, and that's this. Jesus illustrates the importance to us today of turning everyday conversations into spiritual conversations. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't want to talk about theology or uh, doctrine. He, He came to Nicodemus and said, are you born again? See, to Jesus, I think the purpose of the conversation was just simply this, to offer salvation to Nicodemus, the sinner. That's why he had this conversation. Nicodemus didn't realize this. See, there's power in conversations that you have with people. Don't ever forget that. I know it's hard in 2020, and we're social distancing. I understand all that, but you still can call someone, you still can send someone an email, a text. Talk to people. There's power in conversations. Make time to talk with people and turn everyday conversations into spiritual conversations. You can do it, especially this time with all the problems that people are facing. So there is the power of conversations that we see. Uh, in this first three verses. But let's move on. I want to talk about the pictures. Well, let me give you a, one, one more quote by James Merritt here. He says, What Jesus was saying to Nicodemus was something he never dreamed was possible, but needed to hear. And I love this. It's like Jesus saying, Nicodemus, you don't need a new start, you need a new life. You must be born again if you're gonna see the kingdom of God. So there's the power of the conversation and then let's move on to the pictures of conversion. And we have two uh, great pictures here in this passage as we move through John three, reading verses four through eight. And the first picture of conversion that Jesus uses for Nicodemus to try to understand and for us today is the picture of the miraculous new birth. Follow along as I read verses four through seven as we continue in John three. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. Again, I, I can't imagine the expression on Nicodemus' face when Jesus is telling him, this religious prominent Man, you must be born again. I'm sure he was stunned. I mean, Nicodemus has been taught his entire life that being Jewish and doing good works, obeying the law, would get you entrance into heaven. Now Nicodemus is face to face with Jesus Christ and he's telling him something else. See, Nicodemus now must understand the fact that he is not in a right standing with God. He is spiritually bankrupt. He needs a new life. He needs not just a changed life. He needs a spiritual transformation in his life. See, being born again is the act of God by which he imparts eternal life to those who were once dead in their sin and now have repented and accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. See, being born again starts with conviction of your sin and the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross as a payment for your sin. Being born again means to confess your sin, to repent of your sin, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to surrender your life to him, And that's when Christ provides the forgiveness of your sin and eternal life with him in heaven. I love what Adrian Rogers said as we talk about this need to be born again. He said, if you think you can go to heaven without being born again, you are grossly ignorant of two things. Number one, how sinful you are. And number two, how holy you are. God is. You see, your sin has separated you from God. And because of your sin, the Bible says the wage, the penalty of your sin is death. But Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, left the throne of heaven to come down here to make a way, to make a provision for you. And he did that by dying on the cross, paying a penalty that you and I both should have paid. He willingly went to the cross, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day to prove that he was God. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So he is talking about the importance of being born again. Now let me just take a sidetrack just for a second because I, I want to talk about verse 5. I hear so many misinterpretations, so much just wrong talk about this verse, so let me try to explain it a little bit better for you. The verse says, Jesus answered, again, this is John 3, 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, now what does that mean, born of water and born of Spirit? Well, I think the Spirit part is pretty clear. To be born of the Spirit is to be born of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's an act from above. It's a supernatural act that takes place when, someone, when one gives their life to Christ and is born again. But what about born of water? What, do, what does that mean? And I think there are four main interpretations. One, first one, is wrong. Just put an X by number one. It is not right. I hear this though, you They'll use this verse in verse five and say that water baptism is required for salvation. Well, my friend, that's just not biblical. It's just not. If you you say that's a requirement for salvation, that means all the Old Testament believers, Abraham, Moses, David, they all died in their sin. If you think water baptism is required for salvation, then you've made Jesus Christ a liar because he told the thief on the cross today, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's just not true. Ephesians 2 eight there, and there's so many verses. I mean, it's just, if someone tells you you gotta be baptized to be saved, they're wrong, all right? Number two, water refers to our physical birth that illustrates our spiritual birth. Now, let me talk a little bit about that. The similarities are, are remarkable. See, physical birth provides life. Spiritual, um, spiritual birth uh, refers to our um, spiritual birth. So it provides life. There's, there's physical life and there's a spiritual life that we get in our new birth. Uh, only happens one time. You only have one birthday. I, mean, I, I know some of you want more, but you only have one birthday. There was one day that you were born. Same with Spiritual. And you give your life to Christ, you are spiritually born again on that on that day. Uh, also, it talks about um, the fact that there was suffering. Uh, and because of the suffering of another, you were you received life. Uh, you mothers out there know that, and your mom uh, received went through a lot just to have you as a child, a lot of pain, but But spiritual life is the same because Christ went to the cross, suffered a horrific death that you might have spiritual life. With birth, there is no past. It's just starting a new life when you're born. Same thing when you're born again, you start a new life. And there are more than that, but that's one um, interpretation. A third one is water. Water stands for the word of God that washes and cleanses. And I don't have time, but I would encourage you to go back and read these verses. John 15, 3, Ephesians 5, 26, and 1 Peter 1, And water speaks of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Again, I encourage you to go back and read Ezekiel 36 and Titus 3, 5. Now, if you say, Shannon, which one do you follow, or which one are you in line with? I'd probably say number two because he's talking about physical birth here. To me, it's a bit more of a harder jump to water being the word and water being regeneration. Again, water is important in the physical birth. That's the, when the water breaks, that's when it starts. And so I think as I, you know, but listen, don't lose fellowship. I'm good with two, three, and four. I'm not good with one, but I'm good with two, three, or four. But I just want to take a, a few moments and talk about that because you may have a chance to help someone with that verse also. But if you go on and look at verse six in this passage, you know, Jesus describes the two births. One is the birth of the flesh, and the other is the birth of the spirit. And we become human beings on our first birth, and we become a new creation in Christ on our spiritual birth. On our first birth, we become members of a human family. On our second birth, when we were born again, born again, we are now members of the family of God. So Nicodemus standing there before Jesus and he's telling them, you must be born again. And I think Nicodemus with his impressive education, his obedience to the law, his religious prominence in Judaism, is now beginning to understand he's not right with God. And none of that stuff that he had been spent his whole lifetime doing was going to get him to heaven. See, what he needed was a brand new life. He needed a new life from above. He needed to be born again. Warren Rearsby said, no amount of education, religion, or discipline can change the old nature you have. It can't. We must receive a new nature from God. So the first picture we see here of conversion is this miraculous new birth. But there's also another picture we see here, and that's the picture of a mysterious normal breeze. Look at verse eight as we continue down through this chapter. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, there is a mystery about the wind. It blows where it wishes. We hear the wind. We can even see its effects, but we don't know where it comes from and where it goes. And like the wind, the Holy Spirit is invisible but powerful. And no one can predict or explain the movement of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about this breeze, Nicodemus should have remembered an Old Testament story. I think when, when Jesus uses this illustration, he's talking about Ezekiel 37, one through 14. Just write that down, Ezekiel 37, one through 14. I don't have time to look at that. That's the valley of the dry dead bones. And the prophet Ezekiel was standing before all these dead bones in this valley and he began to prophesy to the wind as, as The Bible told him. And as he prophesied to the wind, the renewing work of the Holy Spirit came in and gave those bones life. And they all of a sudden became alive. See, these two pictures of conversion show what God does for all those who come to him by faith. He changes lives forever. James Merritt said, the new birth is not only a mystery that no person can understand. It is a miracle that no person can undertake on their own. Being born again is not making a new start in life. It is receiving a new life to start with. And I love that. So, these pictures of conversion that Jesus was trying to show Nicodemus And then he moves on to the last verses in this chapter. And I want to talk about the provisions of Christ that we see here in verses nine through 15. And the first one we see is what I want to call a spirit-led understanding. And follow along as I read verses nine through 11. Again, we're going verse by verse through this chapter. Verse nine, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's talked about the miraculous new birth, the mysterious wind. How, how, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And, and yet you don't understand these things? And I love how Jesus put people on the spot. I love it. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak, and here's a you know, reference to we, but it's Jesus talking. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you, You do not receive our testimony. See, Nicodemus couldn't understand everything Jesus was talking about. Even after Jesus had tried to explain it in simple terms. You see, as a teacher of the Jews, Nicodemus knew facts recorded in scriptures. But without the Holy Spirit, he could not understand the truth in God's scripture. See, when a sinner is born again, He is immediately indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. He takes residence in your your body. He takes over your mind. And he allows you understanding of God's word and the truth of God that you couldn't do before. You must have the Holy Spirit to have that spirit-led understanding. But you can't have the Holy Spirit if you don't have Jesus. You must be born again. J.I. Packer said the Holy Spirit opens and unveils our minds and tunes our hearts so that we understand the divine things of God. And a lot of you could give testimony of how God is giving you spiritual understanding uh, just because of the Holy Spirit um, moving and working in your life. So there is that spirit-led understanding and provision that we have. Um, There's also the sacrifice on the cross. Again, follow along as we read uh, verses 12 through 14. He says, I've told you earthly things and, and you do not b- believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Again, Jesus is talking. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And Jesus is talking about himself as he talks to Nicodemus. And then verse 14 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Let me stop right there and talk about the sacrifice. See, the story of Numbers 21, 4 through 9, you may want to write that down, should have been familiar to Nicodemus. He, He was a guardian of the law. And if you go back and look at that passage, the nation of Israel, as they're wandering in the wilderness, had rebelled God one more time and God brought punishment to them. And God sent poisonous serpents to bite them and to kill them. And Moses interceded before God and said, please, please, Lord, don't don't, don't do this. And so God tells Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and lifted up high for all people to see. Any person bitten by a venomous snake, stricken with poison in their body, if they would just look at that serpent, they would be immediately healed, and they were. Now, that's a little bit of a strange passage. I wish I had time to talk more about that, but it's the illustration that Jesus is using just as Moses lifted up that serpent on that pole. If you look to it, you he were healed. You see, Moses being lifting up the bronze serpent in the wilderness to provide healing is nothing more than an illustration of what Jesus did. See, Jesus Christ had to be lifted up on the cross to provide healing for the poison of sin that is in your life. Were it not for the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my friend, there would be no hope for any one of us to ever be saved. As they looked to that serpent and were healed, same is true today. If you look to Jesus Christ in faith, my friend, you can be healed from your penalty of sin. Or Wearsby said, that Christ had to die before men could be born again. It's just that simple. He had to die. His death brings life. When spiritually dead sinners trust Jesus Christ, they move from death to life. And that truly is a paradox. And then the last provision that we see here uh, is the salvation for believers. Uh, Last verse of this passage, and Derek will pick it up next week with the famous John 3, 16 and moving through the rest of the chapter. But verse 15 says this, that whoever believes in him. Again, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So finally, Nicodemus is beginning to hear that it's not about keeping the law. It's about belief in Christ. It isn't about who you are and all these things you've accomplished. It's about what Jesus has done through his death and his burial and his resurrection. And Jesus makes the promise that all of us can receive salvation if we'll only, only believe. Put our faith and trust in him. Repent of our sin. David Jeremiah says, the word believes, it's the hinge upon which the door of heaven turns. Whether or not we believe will determine where our eternal soul will live. As I wrap up this um, study of John 3, verses 1 through 15, uh, let me just end with a couple comments. See, the last time we read about Nicodemus in the Bible is John 19. You might want to write that down and go back. And what we see there in John 19, we see Nicodemus assisting the burial preparations of the dead body of Jesus. Now now just stop for a second and think about that. Here is a Jewish Pharisee handling, touching the dead body of a person in his Passover. There is no one in the Pharisee rank who would ever even imagine someone doing that. Jesus, dead. And here's Nicodemus touching him, doing the burial preparations. And you say, how can that be? How could he do that? Well, I think there's only one possible explanation. And that's this. Nicodemus had been changed. He had been born again. He didn't care about the law anymore. He only cared about Christ. And here he is offering up his life for his savior. I'm convinced at some point after this conversation, Nicodemus was born again. So my question is this, how about you? How about you? Can you point to a time where you were born again? Can, Can you point to a time in your life when you became that new creation in Christ? Can you see that time when you were the old dead person and Christ saved you and now you are a beautiful creation of Christ? Can you see that time in your life? I'm afraid some of you, if you're honest with yourself, when you look at your life, what you see is a lot of religious activity. And that religious activity, my friend, won't get you into heaven. Now, listen, I'm all for about working out your faith and, and work, you know, works after, after faith. I'm all about that, serving the Lord. But don't you get caught up in the lie that, you, that if I just am a good person and I go to church and I'm religious, that I'm going to heaven. Because that's just not true. You see, if I had to sum it all up, I'd say this. Religion says Try harder. Jesus says, trust me. Religion says, do, do, do. Jesus says, done. Don't get on that religious ladder trying to climb to God. Get away from trying and move to trusting. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this passage Father, I pray that you'll just um, help us to examine our lives right now. Uh, Lord, we all need to do an examination and determine if we truly are a new creation in Christ or are we just playing a dangerous religious church game that many play. And Father, I pray that if there's someone out here not sure, if they've been born again, not sure about that, Lord, I pray they'd have the courage to come talk to me or one of the other pastors. Father, it's too important to to brush aside. Father, I pray you'll just, you'll move in this time that we have. Lord, help us to to do that examination. Maybe we need more time before you in prayer just looking at our lives and asking the question simply this, have I been born again? In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, let me leave you with some application steps. I'm all about teaching with application and preaching with application. And uh, as I thought about this passage, there's kind of three things that, that uh, I wanted to, to highlight. Um, and first one is seek to know Jesus better by daily reading one chapter for two weeks about the life and the teachings of Jesus. Jesus. Now, let let me try to explain that. You see, Nicodemus came seeking Jesus. And I think we all could seek to know Jesus better. So what I provided you there in your notes is just the 14 days. Just read one chapter a day. I'm not asking you to read a whole book of Genesis. Just one chapter. Day one, Luke one, preparing for Jesus' arrival. Day two, Luke two, the story of Jesus' birth. Day three, Mark one, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Day four, Mark 9, a day in the life of Jesus. Day five and day six, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. Day seven, the parables of Jesus, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Hey, how about this? Day eight, our chapter, John 3, a conversation with Jesus. Day nine, Jesus Final instructions to his disciples in the upper room shortly before he goes to the cross. Day 10, John 17, the priestly prayer, Jesus' prayer for his disciples and for us. You'll see that. Matthew 26, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Matthew 27, day 12, Jesus' execution on the cross. And day 13, his resurrection, John 20. And day 14, his appearance after the resurrection. It's just two weeks. Two weeks. Chapter a day. I tell you, you will get a better understanding of who Jesus is if you'll just do that. And, and, and let me let me also say this: you got that there in your notes, and I wanted it to be in your notes. Hey, screenshot that. Send it to somebody, a friend of yours, and ask him. Hey, would you be my reading buddy for the next two weeks? We're gonna read one chapter of the Bible every day, and maybe even have a chance to discuss that. Or, or maybe. You ask someone, hey, listen, I want to try to read these chapters for the next two weeks. I need someone to hold me accountable. Will you hold me accountable? Because see, that leads to the second step. And that's this. Pray daily for God to give the opportunity to you to have a spiritual conversation with one person this week. Now, it takes hard, it takes work to move from talking about church Talking about Jesus. But you can do that. And I think if you want to use these readings, you can definitely do that to help you. And then the third thing is this I want you to write out your testimony. Write out your testimony and share it. You say, Well, I've never written out my testimony. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you have it, and I want you encourage you to do it today. Here's what you do three things. My life before receiving Jesus. How I received Jesus. And how my life has changed since Jesus has come into my life. Again, how was I before Christ? I know how I was. It was not good. How, was I, how did I come to Christ? And how has my life changed? Because Christ is my Savior. And if you sit there and you try to do this and you can't write some of these things down, again, I think that's a sign for you to do another examination to make sure that you are born again. I want to thank you for gathering with with us today online, um, today and uh, here and online. Uh, Some are watching and I pray that God will give you an opportunity this week to turn an everyday conversation into a spiritual conversation about what Christ has done in your life.